This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by Hip, Cool, Trendy, Calming the Fuck Down and Taking Five, also known as Meditation. Hi there. Are you stressed? <laughs> of course you are. Have you taken five today to just chill the fuck out? I guarantee it'll put you in a way better place. Just give it a go. See? There you go. You just wasted five seconds out of your busy schedule to listen to nothing. And you're never getting it back. <laughs> just kidding. You feel great. Take five. Shut up. And just breathe a little. Yes, come to see you. Welcome to the Up for Discussion podcast, the only show on the internet where we talk about the things we talk about in the order that we talk about them. I'm your half-canine host, Simon Peltier. I'm your half-human host, Tom Zalatnay. I'm a half a host, Adrian Schoen. Uh, That's guys, a fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we've got a guest coming in over Skype again today. Uh, he is uh, a doctor, a professor, doctor, that is, uh, <laughs> who just released a book called The Grace of Dogs. Uh, that's a book about like the uh, spiritual and emotional and psychological and historical links between uh, humans and canines and the relationship there. Uh, so guys, please give a up for discussion warm round of applause. Welcome to Dr. Andrew Root. Wow, that was really warm. Thank you. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> toasty. Toasty, how, toasty. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well. Thanks uh, for having me on the show. It's uh, fun to be with you. So uh, t tell tell us about the book for the benefit of the, the folks at home who uh, don't have a copy of it on the table in front of them. Yeah, well, um, hopefully they'll have a copy uh, sooner than later. That would be wonderful. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a book that's really a journey. I, I'm kind of an, a little bit of an academic nerd and um, things happen in my life and I try to explore why. And, and so this book is really a journey of us putting down our our black lab that we loved named Kirby, who was 11 years old. So the disclaimer is this, uh, this is not a dog book that starts happy with uh, the birth <laughs> of a puppy. It's a very sad, tragic beginning with a dog I wish I'd known that down. before reading it, before starting yeah. it, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been told it's, it's pushing a lot of people into heavy drinking. <laughs> so... Um, so it does start very sad, and then, uh, and, and, but from that sad experience of putting this dog we love down, uh, led me to ask big questions about, you know, um, what are these dogs? What do they do for us as human beings? And it was really watching my children um, grieve the loss of this dog, and I'm actually shocked myself on how much grief I felt. I mean, I felt I knew I would be sad when my dog died, but I was just shocked at the grief, the anger, the the kind of sense of uh, of righteous indignation that this dog, um, this 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 thing that I love so deeply had been ripped from the universe. But when we put the dog down, my, my son really entered deeply into the sorrow and, um, spent the last few minutes looking into the dog's eyes and it was really, it really quite sad. But after the dog was put down and had died, he stood up, um, he was eight years old at the time and kind of gathered some strength and went out into the lobby and came back with a Dixie cup full of water. And then it completely out of his own volition, stuck his finger in the water and then, um, made the sign of the cross on the dog's head and essentially gave 
and did really give the dog back to God. And so the book really is a journey that asks, why did that feel right? And, and who are these strange beasts? And is there something that these, you know, toilet drinkers, um, <laughs> do, you know, something spiritual and deep that these, these dogs who pee on our carpet actually uh, do something quite beautiful for us. So that's kind of the journey of the book. I, mean, I think Jesus did say in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed be the toilet drinkers, right? <laughs> I think it's, it's something it right. like that. It, it really depends on how you translate it, <laughs> yeah. but I think you may be right. That's I think in, it was in the message. That is in the message, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's Peterson. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I. It was funny. I was just telling Adrian before we started recording that the thing that hit me hardest about this isn't the like emotion of a dog being lost, because, I mean, I've lost a lot of pets over the years. I've kind of gotten used to that, right? Um, but it's the all the stories you tell about your kids and the way that they responded to it and seeing the like grace that they had in those situations and like the relationship they had with the dog is what really like hits me the hardest, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really think in, in many ways, uh, the book is clearly about dogs and, mm. and who dogs are. And there's a lot of science yes. and the title gives that away. Right. But, yeah. um, but it really, I, I think underneath it, and I hope the reader gets this, that it, it ultimately really is about what it means to be human mm-hmm. and uh, why we need these animals and, and the kind of interconnection they do for us and what it means to be a child and to love something and, and big questions about transcendence and God and, and things like that next to just a very common experience of having a pet, of loving a pet um, and uh, asking those big questions. So, um, yeah, I think, you're, yeah, I mean, I tried to write it in that way. Mm-hmm. And it, it really came across too, like the that it, it's not just about why dogs are the best pet, but also like why, like what what's special about dogs and what's special about us and what we see in them. And I really I really appreciated that. I I especially really appreciated the balance that you had between like personal experience and like like real research that was done. And it wasn't just like my dog was the best, therefore he's in heaven now, <laughs> you know. And, but it, it like you talked about like B F Skinner and you talked about like all all of these like real researches and I, I, I like appreciate that appreciated that. Well, thanks. I hope, I hope other people do too. It's uh, yeah, I think it, it's, yeah, I, I probably fault in being a little bit uh, too theoretical, but I think there's something significant about it. And um, for those who are kind of are, are moved into seeing things deeper and, and, and wider because of big thoughts like that, I think that this will resonate with them hopefully. Mm-hmm. I heard something kind of interesting the other day where they, uh, they were talking about how uh, human brains uh, didn't need um, the same capacity for scent and tracking when they they uh, evolved alongside the, the dogs and domesticated dogs. And a result of that is that um, our brains shrunk a little. And then uh, also domestication in, in dogs also caused their brains to shrink a little because we each kind of carried each other's load a little bit from, from one side to the other. Uh, but also has made us both a little bit dumber for it. So but, <laughs> speak for yourself. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I love my dog. But, uh, we're both happily dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's really true. Or at least it, it backs up the science that I've read, which I think is really, really interesting that both when you look at dog brains next to wolf brains, they're smaller. And when you look at just kind of cranium size of other um, hominids and then homo sapiens that, that are, it, lo- it looks like our brains were smaller. But what's, what's really crazy about it is that it, it appears, and I think this has a deep spiritual dynamic, that in some ways that we offloaded some of just the, the pure, I guess, hardware of the brain to, to you could almost say to the cloud and, and really into kind of the sense of interconnection and kind of shared collective mind that a lot of other 
animals, it just doesn't seem like they have this kind of deep sense of, of, of uh, being able to do theory of mind on each other and having this kind of deep spiritual interconnection. And I just think it's kind of fascinating that the dog kind of follows our evolutionary path and sheds a little bit of, of brain size to actually be able to interconnect with us in this deep way. And, and that's the other piece of the research that I discovered is that just that, that dogs really connect with us in a way like no other animal, that they, they look into our eyes, that they, they read our emotions, that they can understand our gestures and our, our kind of forms of communication that, that other animals don't. And they actually don't do that with each other. They do that just with us. And so I, I think there's just this kind of deep spiritual dynamic that, that we find, I think, something spiritual in interconnection. And um, that's what makes, I think, human beings quite unique is that we find that through this kind of deep sense of community and belonging and dogs echo that, I think, in a really significant way. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So um, what's wrong with cats? I was going to ask that because <laughs> yeah. I'm... I, There's definitely something wrong with a- them. Andrew, well, I, this is an uphill battle for me because I'm a cat person first and foremost. Uh, well, because I was just going to say that the cats are just fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> you, told me, you told me I could swear, so... Um, but, but then you outed yourself as a cat person, so now I have to be nice to you. <laughs> yeah, I recently moved and my cat was so upset by this uh, transition that he peed on my face while I was sleeping. <laughs> uh, that I, is its own form of brilliance, really. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I, I think if, if dogs are like best friends and like empathy machines i think cats are just psychopaths yeah right like like whether there's the bit in the book where you 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 explore whether dogs are just con artists and i think i think you should have had a part two of that chapter where you said that's what cats are cats (laughs) like i have a cat and i love my cat to death and i think he is the one of the best cats i've ever encountered and i know he is such a con artist he is still (laughs) just a manipulator of emotions (laughs) Well, I think the thing about the cat is it just assumes it's smarter than you, yeah. and, uh, and it might be, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of stayed away from cats just because I didn't <laughs> want to get angry emails from people and uh, um, things like that, but I'm, I'm not much of a cat guy, um, and I think there's people who probably have really lovely cats who can do some deep kind of spiritual mm. things for them like dogs do, but I will say it appears that that's more unusual yeah. with cats and other animals than it is with dogs. Dogs just, I mean, you just go to, down to down to um, a shelter and you'll find a dog who can really enter into deep love. I mean, it, mm. it does, it doesn't take an unusual dog to be able to read your emotions. And like you said, be kind of an empathy machine um, where I, you know, I don't know, I'm probably offending someone, but it, <laughs> it, 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 it takes it. I think it takes a pretty special cat to be able mm. to do that. And, and sometimes when a cat does, people will describe that cat. Like I have a friend who does this, who describes this cat as very dog like, right. which means, mm. He actually wants to be around me. He cares what I think. He doesn't pee on my face. It's <laughs> like that. That's that's actually a really good point because I've described my cat as very dog-like, and his name is Lupin uh, <laughs> for unrelated reasons. But it happens that he is that's his name, and like I've he he does act like a dog a lot. And like there, I I grew, also grew up with two cats, and they were like like the most comforting presence in my house yeah. at, at times. And like really like would come to me when I was sad and like come and cuddle and stuff. But that is very you're right that it is unusual and it takes either a special cat or like a lot of effort on the guardian's part right. ra- rather than something being very innate to dogs. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I grew up with cats and had a similar thing where like 
you know, I definitely loved them and felt mm. like they gave a damn about me, but like, yeah, there's, there's a difference, you know, we yeah. had a dog for about maybe like five or six years, maybe longer yeah. even, uh, who definitely like within like a couple days of living with us, I felt like that dog kind of understood us a lot better mm-hmm. than the cats did that I'd lived with my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they say that, I mean, these scientists are saying like if, if, if the a zombie apocalypse comes or, or some kind of event and wipes out human beings that they just don't think dogs would be able to survive. Like the dog's survival mm-hmm. strategy is to be with us. And mm-hmm. so, um, cats could probably get along pretty well without yeah, us and, and some of them would mm-hmm. be fine without us, but it's really, really hard to find a dog anywhere that isn't really bound to human beings even kind of feral dogs and say you know sochi russia or something are still hanging around human Mm -hmm. civilizations even if they don't have collars and names that there's really no way to be a dog outside of some kind of interconnection with a human being and so you're right like it takes the dog 15 minutes and the dog just stares at you just Mm -hmm. wants to know what you're doing where a cat's just like yeah you're not that interesting and you know um we'll we'll see um what are you feeding me tonight Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting Mm -hmm. dynamic I think. Yeah, I think you uh, just need to double down on this and do a follow-up <laughs> book of the the damnation of cats, or, or yeah. part two, the disgrace of cats. Yeah, <laughs> disgrace of cats. That's, yeah, that's a great idea. I I I would read it. I would read it. Yeah. 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 And then send you a lot of angry emails. <laughs> that's right. You'd be like, my yeah. cat's different. My cat's the best. He's going to heaven. Yeah. Right. And all the cats live through <laughs> the end of the book. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I tried watching. I just uh, become a huge cat lady. That's what I. <laughs> yeah, I tried. Have you guys seen the uh, the Turkish cat documentary yet? Uh, no. Keddy. It's this. Um, I think you can get it on YouTube Red uh, over on Hank Green's YouTube channel <laughs> of all places. Uh, but it's this Turkish documentary about street cats in Turkey, okay. uh, and I got really stoned and tried to watch it (laughs) that was a mistake because i immediately forgot that it was uh, a documentary and not like a narrative (laughs) and so about six minutes in i paused it and i turned to my friend i was watching it with and i was like this is the worst written movie I've ever watched because nothing had happened yet. I couldn't get a grasp of who the main character was. <laughs> the acting was really bad and like just flatly delivered. I think that's better than the other way around. If you had watched like, I don't know, like some, some, like if you'd watched the Aristocats and thought it was a documentary. <laughs> I think watching like, the Aristocats Oh my gosh, I'm bad. learning stuff here. This is Whoa, amazing. guys. <laughs> Did you know this? Did you know that everybody wants to be a cat? <laughs> Where's Stephen Attenborough? I, I I did want to hear a little bit more about um the the, the section where you talk about um breeding and you talk about uh, Dmitry Bayelev. Uh, I'm gonna say Bayelev. I'm gonna say that that's how it's pronounced. Um, and like when he Sounds tried to me. when when he tried to pronounce d- domesticate, he tried to pronounce his name a lot. He was right. <laughs> he was right almost every time. Uh, but when, when he tried to domesticate foxes, and I'm wondering, like, to, like you you touched on this a little bit, but I'd, I'd like to hear more um, on like how like domestication uh, or or and breeding like allowed for this this desire for human connection because I, like it it can be it can be really easy for um, someone who doesn't. Or who hasn't read the book and hasn't seen all these all this research to to it can be very hard for someone to not think that that's just projection that you can see like oh th- like they're just yeah. a dog they want food and you're projecting your desire for connection with them on them so right. I'd like to hear sort of your yeah your, your thoughts well, on that yeah well I, I mean I think whenever you're writing anything about 
animals and spirituality, which is like a very dangerous place to, to mm. be going, you always have to be wary of projection. So I'm sure there's places where there's projection and we all project upon our animals. But that the, the fox story is so interesting because scientists are really using it to look at how domestication works and how actually quite quickly – um, certain forms of domestication um, can can change a species, and so they think these foxes in Russia actually are a good, maybe sign of how how dogs actually domestic got domesticated. And really, what they think is really unique, I think, about dogs is that they domest they think they domesticated themselves. Mm-hmm. That we're kind of we domesticated pigs and horses, and then you know changed their bodies and, and you know fattened them up for food and things like that, and put them behind. Um, fences that dogs really um, or wolves that became dogs domesticated themselves by hanging around us. And so what this Russian guy did, um, who we can't pronounce his name, um, and and you said (laughs) earlier he probably always pronounced his name really right and I had a great joke to say except when he's really high. (laughs) But but what he did is he actually had these foxes and he decided to breed these foxes for only one trait. And the one trait is if they were kind to to human beings if they actually were somewhat interested in human beings and i guess foxes are notorious for being afraid of human beings and if you walk by them in a cage they'll kind of cower in a corner they don't want to look at us they don't want really anything to do with us so he took some that were just slightly interested and then he bred those and then he took the ones that were the 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 kindest again and bred those and within 20 generations he had these these silver foxes who changed color whose ears dropped whose tails um, curled and they started barking like dogs. So in just 20 generations. So the point is, is that just breeding for one trait, not for size, not for kind of human function, not for kind of utilitarian use, just simply breeding for human kindness, being kind to humans, being interesting in humans in just 20 generations essentially could turn foxes into dogs. And so they think that's really what happened here. And I, and I, uh, with dogs, that's how how wolves became dogs in many ways is that we just simply, kind of unrationally we just kept the the ones around our camps that we felt like were nice ones that our children Mm. liked and that gave us dogs and that gave us these kind of wingmen who who hang around us and i just find it really interesting that it could have these kind of again these spiritual connotations of what of what kindness and interconnection can do Mm. and the, the depth of relationship and openness to encounter otherness and encounter an, another being another person and how that can actually have just really huge ramifications on organisms and it particularly does on, on dogs here and we know that it functions the same way with human beings like if you lock a a two-year-old in a closet and don't give them human contact, their brain cannot develop. That human brains need other brains to really be human in many ways. And and so there's just something really mystical and interesting about about interaction with human beings. Like when 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 creatures interact with human beings at a really intimate level and get taken into our families and deep into our societies, um, they change. They change cognitively and they change um, just biologically. And um, so it's, I think it's a really fascinating case. Twenty generations and mm. and uh, and these wolves, these wolf dogs, essentially domesticated themselves and became our best friends in a in a really uh, interesting way. What is uh what does twenty generations for a dog look like in human years? I I think that's seven years, right? So it's one hundred and forty years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And like no, less than two. I, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I I yeah. mean I I would imagine, I don't know about uh, uh yeah I don't know about um foxes but dogs I would imagine are like breeding age they're around two probably right. so like I I would guess maybe forty ish years. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Huh. I, 
Yeah, that that seems like that seems pretty reasonable. You could do that in yeah. like in a human lifetime, then definitely. Yeah, right. I mean, this guy did. Yeah, right. that's what he did. With Bob. Yeah, exactly. Oh, of yeah. course, right? It didn't mm. occur to me that that he like he saw the results of his of his experiment. Yeah, like I figured he just sort of you know picked up on something that was Put already going on. Yeah, uh, Andrew. One thing that we do uh, on our show every episode is that we answer a question that comes from our supporters over on Patreon.com. Uh, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that lets creators work directly with their audience to produce the best stuff possible. Uh, if people listening at home love our show and want to throw us a bone, uh, you can go to um, patreon.com slash up for discussion and pledge as little as a dollar a month. I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> I wrote this for yesterday. <laughs> um, <clears throat> If you do, uh, you can join the fi- the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Candice, Eric, Carlea, and Thomas. And if you give at least $5 a month, you get to tell us what to talk about once per cycle on the show. Uh, Adrian, do you want to tell them what our Patreon topic is? Sure. Uh, Eric wants to know, what are your thoughts on meditation? None. Oh. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I don't have time for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too busy not thinking at all. So, you know. Yeah, one of you is too busy being high. <laughs> That's the only way I can meditate. Watching bad movies. <laughs> so is that a question for me or it's for all of us. It's for all it's uh it's it's for all of us to discuss amongst okay. ourselves in an upward manner. Sure. Do you wanna do you wanna start? As a as a <laughs> as a theologian and a dog man. Yeah, <laughs> and a dog man. Those are yeah, the two I'm kinds for, of people well, who know about meditation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm for it. I'm all, I'm all for meditation. No, cool. I think I think meditation has a has a powerful dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think that um, makes us mindful of the world. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, kind of an essential component, especially in the fast paced world we live in. That mm-hmm. we. And we need to um, unplug a little bit and remember our humanity. And, and you know, to, to do the ugly plug that pulls us back into my book, I think one of the things dogs did for us that allowed us to be human was to meditate. And that mm. once you have a dog who can sit next to you, you can allow your mind to kind of mm. run fluid and, and uh, kind of daydream and, and think deeper thoughts than you would if you were worried about some some creature jumping out of the mm. out of the bush and, and eating out your stomach, you know, so... Uh, the fact as they that do, dog, <laughs> as they do, and as happens, um, that you know, to have a dog sitting next to you so that you could actually meditate uh, mm. is it's pretty kind of profound reality. Mm. And so there, maybe there's other ways now that being with a dog helps us to kind of, well, that we we it it seems to be shown that uh, petting a dog puts mm. you more in a meditative state. So yeah, um, my my university <clears throat> around uh, around finals always has puppy therapy, oh and they just God. have a little kennel with like four or five dogs and you just go and you pet them for 10 15 minutes and like yeah and like it's it's funny because they 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 don't they're not even like oh show us your student id you just kind of walk in (laughs) and you just pick up a puppy and you just pet it for a little bit and then you leave that's amazing yeah i love that yeah it's a reason 156 why i like my university (laughs) puppy therapy um I, i i feel like dogs are very meditative as individuals i some dogs i don't i not chihuahuas I think I think chihuahuas are an abomination. Yeah. I think chihuahuas are the exception to your book. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they probably are either uh, have a stomach ache or have diarrhea from Taco Bell. I mean, they just they all, even without Taco Bell, they just always do. I, I feel like chihuahuas are like are tricky because they they seem to not totally get the human connection thing. Yeah. 
Like, I know you were joking, but actually, no. like... <laughs> yeah, there, there are some dogs we've seen, like, that don't get it. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I feel like when you, you breed something smaller and smaller and smaller, uh, they become more aggressive as they get smaller and cuter. So, <laughs> like, I, I worked at a pet shop uh, when I was in high school, and they had these uh, dwarf hamsters. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's called a mouse. <laughs> They're these just itty itty bitty little tiny hamsters. And if you put your hand in the cage, it was like piranha. Like you just pull out like a bloody stump of bone. And they've just there's some screw that is loose once you you try to like force uh breed something into a shape. Uh, interesting. And I think like pugs are a little overbred and a snaggly tooth wheezy cross-eyed gooey kind of mess. <laughs> Uh, like I've always had mutts. Like I now I have a, a, a retired greyhound uh, race dog, but they're nice. they're not like bred to look a certain way. They're kind of bred to perform, mm-hmm. um, and they definitely look a certain way. Oh my god, they're so weird. <laughs> they're looking. amazing. So are we are we weird. talking about greyhounds now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. They're beautiful. Okay. Greyhounds are I, I hear some of the friendliest dogs you will find. Yeah, they're um, and the loving, most loving. Yeah, I mean she's she's a little screwy. Uh, she's got a little separation anxiety problem that I'm working on. But yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she's very uh, bright and alert. Mm-hmm. And I mean, every person who walks down the street, uh, you know, they just yeah. actually. What's what's really interesting is I used to have a really small kind of fluffy um, golden retriever. How many dogs have you had? Oh, um, well, two is like an adult, and okay. then uh, I, I had dogs growing up as right. well. So but your fluffy golden retriever? She was a golden retriever Eskimo dog mix. Just little blonde, mm. puffly, cute thing. Ooh. And, you know, children and everybody would mm. come up to her and be like, oh, so sweet. Uh, but with uh, Katie, my greyhound, it's like these grizzled old men, like middle age, like people who look like they've had a hard time and yeah. maybe spent a little time at the track. And they're just like, you and me, buddy. We get it. <laughs> you and I have both chased the rabbit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I've I've tried to meditate a lot. I think probably tried a little too hard, as as a uh, as one is wont to do when you start meditating. Right. Um. But I mean, I've heard and read all of the not all of the, but a lot of studies on everything that meditation can do for you. Um. And and the the things that it can do for your spirituality too. Like it's even just a like a meditation that is not inherently a spiritual one. Like I know that you can. They're like. Uh, was it like Augustine? No, it's St. Francis who had the spiritual exercises, which everyone did. Um, but like there were like those things and Augustine had some and like you can do those, but even just like mindfulness, which is like as secular as meditation can get, yeah. can, like just help, help you like in a, in a spiritual manner. And I've, I've been meaning to get into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing for me, like, uh, and this is something, uh, I just moved my bed into the studio, mm-hmm. uh, which it's been interesting um, but the uh the nice thing about that is that when i like lie in bed at night um it's a lot quieter in here uh partly because this room doesn't face the main road and partly because of all the soundproofing um yep. and so oh, all true. i hear is like i crack the window open and i can hear crickets outside my window oh, nice. uh, and it's been so fucking nice having like <laughs> like just like a space of kind of like peaceful silence mm-hmm. uh that i just didn't get before yeah 
Do you also get a little spray that smells like the forest and just spray it? <laughs> yeah, just like a, a, I've got a couple of like pine trees hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, they don't help with soundproofing, but no, they, they make actually it feel make like it Christmas. really worse. Yeah, yeah, because they all have the jing- the Christmas jingles on them, and as soon as you move, it just like all just of a sudden jingles. jingle bells every yeah. couple seconds. <laughs> really hard to sleep. I think you should yeah. just tell bad jokes and then. Have the resounding crickets. Uh, nice. Reinforce. Nice. <laughs> I could record a whole solo podcast that's just me and the crickets. <laughs> just me and crickets would be a fantastic name for a podcast. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think meditation can mean a, a lot of different things. I yeah. mean, I, I'm not even clear on on uh, how you do it right. Uh, I. I had a high school substitute teacher that was very into hypnosis and he taught us a form of, it would basically be uh, guided meditation. Um, I think some people would consider it, but then there's, you know, people trying to clear their mind or dwell on a certain, you know, idea of something. So I, I think it's such a broad range of what, Mm. what could, you know, be useful or what is uh, effective or what what the goal is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like even just doing a little bit of it, even if it is like like five minutes every couple of days, like does like it is proven to have uh, real real positive effects on you and on your life mm. and throughout your life, like in everything that you do. Yeah, um, and even if it is weird hypnosis <laughs> stuff, <laughs> yeah. like had, turning into chickens and whatever. Yeah, well, I, I used to use it to uh, help go to sleep, um, yeah. but yeah, like a, a guided kind of. Um, meditation of walking downstairs uh, and reaching deeper and deeper into oh, feeling a more yeah. solid place and <laughs> leaving your body and uh, mm-hmm. it kind of bridges the gap between yeah. uh, wakefulness and, and dreaming Interesting. yeah I, I love meditation imagery I've always found it to be so like interesting uh, and like very calming but also just just super super fascinating like mm-hmm. I uh, studied theater uh, specifically acting in university and we would do a lot of, of breathing exercises that eff- effectively just were meditation but yeah. they were like specifically geared toward you know understanding your breath better and, and using it better and there were there were times when like you're just you just reach a different state yeah. and and I, f- I forget what the imagery had been that this prophet used but there was a point when I, I just pictured my body as completely hollow mm-hmm. I like it like there was there was only my skin and yeah. <laughs> but like 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 and and anytime I breathed, it was just like my entire body filled up with air, and then when I breathed out, it like left, and it like mm. like it sounds really creepy, but it was this like super soothing thing to to see and feel in that moment to just be like my body is hollow, yeah, and I am all breath. Mm. Yeah, that's very cool. I I went to a design conference a long time ago, and there was this guy from Nike, and he was talking about how he they would try to get their creative staff into a more creative state. So mm-hmm. they had, <laughs> they had created this soundboard uh, that was designed to increase their alpha waves, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it was proven to do, but uh, <laughs> there's certain um, idea that certain things will sync up if they, uh, like if you have two pendulums on a wall, uh, if they're on the same wall, they'll eventually start swinging in tandem. And so mm-hmm. they had created, um, you know, when you have two speakers on either side, the sound waves will start to resonate at a certain frequency. Mm-hmm. So they created a soundboard that would do that, and the brain waves uh. would start to oh, set wow. into a certain pattern. And uh, there was a, a British employee who had gone into it and lay down on the soundboard and came out 15 minutes later, very rattled, saying, like, I am never going back in there. 
ever again. <laughs> wow. And uh, the, one of the, the guys was like, oh, he was he British? And he was like, yeah, he was. He was like, oh, sometimes people have really repressed oh no like can't handle it (laughs) oh man that's amazing that's really funny Uh, yeah i was gonna say either british people or lutherans (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah i said that because i knew i know you're a lutheran (laughs) right you are lutheran well uh yeah i grew up lutheran but i married a presbyterian so i've uh, so i've fallen a little little uh far afield but i still teach at a lutheran seminary so it's uh, it's fair to say. Yeah, there's a there's a point really early on in the book when you're talking about the idea of the of canon spirituality and whether it is an idea worth pursuing or if it's just something to have. And you use the phrase like to, a conversation over a pint or two. And my first thought was, oh, he's probably Anglican <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't over a beer; it was over a pint. Yeah. And so yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, he's an Anglican. But I was yeah. wrong. I was wrong. You were wrong. Yeah, I am not an Anglican. So I so do like wrong. pints of beer. Yeah. <laughs> And you're you're in Minnesota, so there's not much yeah. else to do. That's, that's, that's <laughs> don't true. burn on Minnesota for no reason. <laughs> I yeah. love you, Minnesota. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. Minnesota seems seems wonderful. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah. I, I was gonna make some joke about Canada now, but I'm I'm uh, I'm afraid that you'll revolt against me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Canada Canada is essentially just a large Minnesota. It's true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. That you're mm-hmm. like you know. Your fifty-first state, and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, America's so hat. Thing, that, America's hat. That's right. Yeah, but here in Minnesota, we do envy the the hockey up in Canada. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think you guys are the only state that does. No, Wisconsin's got to do some hockey, right? It's cold there. Yeah. Well, does yeah. Wisconsin, Wisconsin have a team. Uh, they don't don't have an NHL team. They no. they kind of. We think they kind of blow. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so but no, like Massachusetts and Michigan are good hockey states, yeah. but we, we call ourselves the state of hockey. Mm-hmm. So we think we're, uh, we're the, we're the real deal. Who's, then, your, who's your NHL team again? The wild. That's not a good name. <laughs> we were the North stars and then they stole, they left for Dallas and that's, oh. uh, that happened in my youth and it's still a, yeah. a deep scar that I have to live yeah. with. Yeah. That's kind of how, I mean, we, we had a baseball team here once mm-hmm. and they're yeah. gone yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, now yeah. we just have to root for the blue Jays, which is less exciting. Yeah. He says yeah. with a red Sox blanket. <laughs> <on his head. laughs> but also like either something deeply wrong about being a Montreal, they're rooting for Toronto. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, right. You just can't. You just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've been told that Boston is a really really beautiful city, but yep. there's a part of me that even I am not into hockey at all. But I don't want to go to Boston. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because just that rivalry r- runs deep, especially because I I like grew up French Canadian, mm-hmm. and so like mm-hmm. and it's like hockey is even stronger in the in the French Quebecois culture. And so like, yeah. I, it's it's just there to, whether I want it or not. Yeah. It's just present. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go to Boston. Yeah. Boston sounds nice in the fall. Maybe in the fall. Cool. I want to go to Cheers mostly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> really? The I actual know. Cheers? Yeah, yeah. I, it's the Bull and Finch Tavern, I think. Have they changed the name? No, it never it was never called Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're talking about. Come the same on, place. Tom. <laughs> Come on, everybody knows the name. <laughs> and everybody knows your name. That's how it works. That yeah. that documentary Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> if you're high enough, it's a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Well, speaking of names, uh, I, I, uh, Andrew, I, I loved your book, and and I, I find I find that the title of your book is really fantastic, and and sums up 
the the book really well, and I wanted to uh, to, to to try to give my part in it and suggest a couple alternate titles for the <laughs> okay. book in case All you right. wanted to re-release it in ten years. You know, that the like the, the, the like yeah. gold edition. You know, maybe yeah, like I'm like just... a subtitle. You know, I've got the grace of dogs, and then all dogs go to heaven. You know, right. I think that's a okay. standard. It's yeah. a good one. I'm taking notes now for this. Okay, so. cool. So I'm just gonna list off a couple a couple ones. Okay. Um, canine Christianity. Sure. Okay. Spaniel spirituality. Oh. Okay. The Apostle Paw. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. That's your best so far. Yeah. Oh, you wait. Uh, the Good Shepherd Dog. Okay. That one's a that one's a little good a sheep little dog. Maybe the good sheep. The good dog. sheep dog. Uh, the Pug's Progress. Oh yeah, there you go. Blue Hound like Jazz. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. The Purpose Driven Labradoodle. Uh, that's always a that funny is. word <laughs> a greyhound observed oh uh-huh. uh, the lion the witch and the whippet ah. <laughs> and uh, the ragamuffin gospel I, I, that's a real book but I think ragamuffin's a great name for a dog uh, there you go yeah. and uh, you could also just say uh, I shits you not Oh, that's pretty I, good. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. I, I really, I really enjoyed uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except that one you could take in multiple different yeah, meanings. Yeah, definitely. My <laughs> first I, thought would not be dogs. <laughs> my yeah, first thought would be right. dog. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. There you go. That's a switcheroo right there. <laughs> good old, good old switcher. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's what I did at work yesterday. <laughs> I just came. Up, I just, I on my phone. I had I had one tab open with famous Christian books, and then one tab open with dog breeds. And I just <laughs> went back and forth. Wow. Well, it's good to know that the Canadian workforce is important. <laughs> I'm a barista. So <laughs> it's He's what I do. Putting his acting degree to use. <laughs> You gotta start I, somewhere. Every time you you send Snapchats of your uh, of yourself work. at work, I yeah. I just love that apron so much. It's a, it's <laughs> it's a, a really good apron. good apron. It's a it's a good apron, and I'm I'm the only one who wears it. Too. Really? Yeah. The the other employees don't. What yep. what makes the apron special? Uh, so so good apron is a prime uh, premium service that delivers fresh <laughs> <laughs> farm, right. farm fresh ingredients to your table. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a very nice like uh, dark blue canvas apron, but it's got these like leather straps around it, and there's like a, a little pocket on the on the chest, like a larger one for like a notebook and one for a pen. So it's just a sharp apron. It's just yeah, a it's very just real sharp. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. When you're talking about leather straps, I thought you were gonna go to uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <laughs> <laughs> I well, that's when I take the apron home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, my my headphones just suddenly fix themselves. Oh. It's exciting. You moved. We've been having issues with our with mm-hmm. our headphones the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Well, that's oh, that's really satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did have one more question that I wanted to uh, to bring up. It's a very minor point in in your uh-huh. book, um, but there's there's one point when you talk about um, sort of your, you 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 kind of compare dogs to I mean, throughout the book you compare dogs to other animals. But there's one point where you mention that. Uh, Dolphins have a sense of self as a separate <laughs> entity than other dolphins, and and then you never brought that up again. And my yeah. first thought was, how do we know this? Yeah. And, and do and do we do we get the sense that dogs are the same way as well, or and are dolphins the only ones? Like, what do you? I if you know a bit more about that, I'm very curious. 
Yeah, I probably just know enough to sound stupid, but um, <laughs> that's okay. That's our, that's well, our welcome. You're, you're on the right podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I th- the studies that they've done with dolphins, if I'm re- remembering correctly, is that uh, they can put a mark on a like a dolphin's head, and a dolphin know I, they, they somehow can recognize themselves in a mirror, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they um, are are aware of that. So I, I yeah, there's there's a whole guy who's been doing stuff mm-hmm. on kind of the consciousness of dolphins and they seem to be pretty sophisticated and, and so aware when they do something and being able to recognize their own actions and, and, and that that's me. Um, so yeah, that's about now I'm out on the fringe of, of, of uh, <laughs> what I remember and what I don't, but it had something to do with being able to kind of recognize marks on their head as them when they looked, when they looked in the, in a, in a mirror. Yeah. I believe they, they do this with apes or they'll, they'll put a, um, a dot on their head and then when they look in the mirror they either try to remove it from the reflection or from themselves right. oh i don't know how you do that with a dolphin they don't have <laughs> it was something similar to something similar to that someone. tom tom just did a, a dolphin dance and it's pretty great i'm trying to like like mime out like yeah. what a dolphin's fin would look like i was trying to reach its face yeah that That's... just seems mean like i can't reach i can't reach the dot yeah i mean like right. may, maybe they just like like if if they don't have a sense of self, they'll try to remove it from the mirror. But if they do, they just cry. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's getting more and more tragic as yeah. we go. Yeah, I mean, you you know what they say: the ocean gets its salt from the tears of all the dolphins that have marks on their foreheads. Yep. <laughs> Proverbs thirty six. <laughs> yeah, that is what they say. Yeah, yeah, that's well, what they say. Dolphins also have. Um, very large penises that they will hook around a person's leg and then try to drown them. So what? if that makes you feel better about dolphins being sad. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh. yeah. I want, I want, I want to read that obituary. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Joe was on a swim at the beach and got drowned oh. by a dolphin penis. <laughs> there's oh, like, man. A, there's a study and I'll, I'll, I'd have to look this up, but the, this uh, very odd man uh, decided that he wanted to see if like a human and a dolphin could could bond uh, and have like a relationship. And there's some point in the 60s, I think. So oh, they, yeah, it's the girl living in an apartment with water. With a dolphin. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she lived in this like apartment that was full of water with this dolphin. And then like... She tried to teach him to speak. I think that was the study. That was yeah. it. She yeah, tried yeah, yeah. to teach him to speak. And then I, he kept trying to hump her. And at some point she was like jerking it off. <laughs> well, and, it was, it, it got to the point where it could only, uh, she could only keep it from getting violent by giving it hand jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which if you're in a relationship like that, you got to get out of it. <laughs> I feel like everybody walked out of this study going, yeah. we're never discussing that yeah. again <laughs> yeah there's a there was a radio lab about that i okay, think yeah, I, yeah. The, like i heard about it about it that way yeah. yeah i feel like every podcast has an episode about that <laughs> <laughs> i at least two of them now yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well this has been a first for me guys. <laughs> <laughs> dolphins being jacked off i've never been on a podcast <laughs> It's like it's kind of my favorite thing that that uh, Convergent keeps hitting us up to review books by Christian authors. <laughs> like it's it's yeah. kind of great. It's like we're we're a comedy podcast, but we're talking theology. It's, mm-hmm. yep. And and dolphin and dolphin penis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know yeah. the theology. I know a lot about animal dicks. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know 
duck vaginas. Du- oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're a labyrinth. Yeah, vaginas. that's a horrifying <laughs> thing once you, you understand the I, duck. I mean, in my mind, I'm picturing like really complex, those like circle labyrinths. Labyrinth. Oh. <laughs> Labyrinths? <laughs> I don't know if that's the shape of it. Well, but. I mean, you can Google duck penises. I don't know that I want to. But, but you, you can. can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, that's yeah. going to be the, the topic of your next book, right? Yeah. It's going to be the, uh, the theology of duck penises. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just it's duck dicks, right? Oh, <laughs> duck dynasty, duck dick. Di- no, no, no. <laughs> Failure. The dictionary. Uh. Life is like a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. So, when was this? This was this the first book you wrote? Is this like your your magnum opus? I'm, like... I'm not seeing a, a by the author of so. Oh, uh, you know, I, I've written a couple other books here and there. So, um, he's the author of but this is his youth worker right there yeah. on the back. Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Bonhoeffer. So, yeah that's Bonhoeffer, not Bonhoeffer. <laughs> Bonhoeffer is your next book. <laughs> Maybe. After yeah. the dolphin one. <laughs> so I'm curious about what, uh, like what your sort of general field of, of study is, uh, like outside of, cause this book sounds like it kind of came to you as like a passion project. And I'm wondering like, yeah. what's your sort of umbrella? Yeah. I mean, I, I really do a lot of stuff for, around theology more generally, but, um, a lot of stuff kind of culture and theology and conversation and, um, do a lot of stuff with kind of younger generations of people and thinking about kind of theological issues, uh, with them. So, um, that's been a, a lot of the stuff I've written has been kind of uh, thinking about ministry and, and questions of God next to kind of younger generations of people. So like mm-hmm. youths. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> youths and, and well, things like that. Yeah. What would you say is the, the main thing that you've seen in um, like spirituality in people of our generation and younger? Like, I, I don't know which generations you, you, you work with, but like what's, what's like one striking thing you've seen? Oh man, that's, that's a really good question. So actually what I've been working on a lot right now, and I don't know if you guys, um, I just say this cause you're in Montreal, but a lot with the, the work of the philosopher, uh, Charles Taylor from, from McGill, mm-hmm. um, and in his big opus of a book called a secular age. So, um, I mean, I'm really actually the more work I do with uh, young people in, in the states, the more I see kind of Charles Taylor's articulation of our of our cultural time to be really um, really insightful. And so, um, we that we really do live in this kind of age of authenticity, where um, we uh, kind of uphold the the sense that everyone should define for themselves what it means to be human, and um, and that there's all sorts of different spiritual options out there that we're we're trying to negotiate, and that and that's a, a new day for kind of classic religious communities to have to really wrestle with, uh, this kind of new sense of what authenticity is and this kind of new sense of how spirituality can be kind of formed. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about around meditation that it, uh, you don't have to kind of have a meditative prayer life inside a Catholic church anymore or inside a Lutheran church. Um, right. there's all sorts of different ways to do that. And, um, it's, it's quite interesting, I think in these last few decades and will be for the next few to see how kind of organized mm-hmm. religions and kind of classic forms of, of faith, uh, deal with some of uh that kind of explosion of all sorts of other options that are out there yeah charles taylor is he the he's the guy who invented converse right <laughs> <laughs> D- different yeah, charles taylor yeah yeah a little different guy but yeah <laughs> that's that's really interesting though because i i think like 
it that resonates with me as a person who's done a lot of work in sort of ecumenical settings uh like mm-hmm. you know people from various church backgrounds and also you know various faith backgrounds working together and finding like common ground and like you know just more and more it feels like secular society is pushing us to a point where like that's kind of the only way for like people of faith to survive really is to learn how to like enjoy other people's company. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a really positive thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've done like my share of of working with youth as well in the context of my church. And uh, yeah, like I I do, I do see there's like a, a growing, I mean, it's been growing for a while, but like almost like a, like a disinterest in, Mm. in the like, specifics of theology and it's been it's been a lot more about like people and how does uh, how does what we believe affect people mm-hmm. um and like how yeah like how how do we reach them um, right. and i've i found that's like way more interesting like i mean i am very interested in things about like you know absolution and the the, the theories of it but ultimately like what you believe is only important based off of how it affects the people around you and how you treat the people around you because of those beliefs. And I feel like there's a, like it's, it's, it's becoming um, like a more intrinsic with, with these people, with young people, you know, I feel like they, they really sense that. And especially growing up, growing up in church, in like church families, Hmm. you can be kind of disillusioned with like church life and you can see a lot of the ways that, that church can um, accidentally like mistreat people. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, or intentionally as well, but like in, sure, in, yeah. in the cases that I know of, it's been a lot of like, you know, unintentional. It's a lot um, of like neglect. Yeah, that's not even noticed at first. Totally. Yeah. yeah, and then, and then so like they grew up in that, and then they feel like, wow, like maybe we should just focus on people for a <laughs> yeah. bit, right? You know, right. Yep. So uh, I th- this may be a little bit of an inappropriate question, uh, but are, have you been thinking of getting a, another dog? Slash, have you, you gotten know- another dog? Yeah, so the the book kind of ends with uh, us getting another dog. So okay. I can see none of that, you that guys. Shows that shows you've never got yeah. there. <laughs> you've all failed the exam. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, we ended the 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 kind of the book. The book does kind of reverse where the happy ending is. Uh, mm. Well, it has a happy ending of, of getting a new dog, and so yeah. So we actually mm. have another lab, and uh, she's kind of uh, she's a yellow lab, but she's mm. really white. So we named her um, Khaleesi, like from the game. Oh, of nice! I yeah. thought you were gonna say you named her Fred or something. We <laughs> yeah. had to give her a really white name. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> we named her Bonehoffer. <laughs> I think that's a great dog name. That's a great. That's a great dog. Because then people get it. Then people go, "Oh, I, a dog. I get it." Yeah. 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 <laughs> or did they? Did maybe you did the the very white person name and you you took a guy's name and give it to a girl like oh my girl's name is is sebastian yeah you know yeah that would have been another way to go is is the is the dog on the cover uh is the dog on the cover actually kirby no that's no. the actor who played kirby <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's moose yeah. <laughs> i think i auditioned like for that part yeah, yeah. of kirby yeah. you auditioned for that? yeah i think i auditioned for kirby yeah yeah i guess this is the brad pitt of dogs <laughs> Make my life story. I want that dog to play me. So. Nice. Was did you have any part in like finding the the dog for the cover of the book? I'm genuinely curious now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not really. I mean, I only uh, and this is usually how it works with authors. You only really get veto power. Like, okay. I hate that. Cover. I hate that. I don't like that. Right. And they usually give you like three or four choices, and yeah. then you get and then you get a vote. But usually, um, especially with a, a you know a great 
publisher like Random House Penguin and, and Convergent, you know, they have they have all sorts of people with with opinions and good opinions. So um, did you I did you get any terrible ones? No, there was no no terrible ones. They did a really good job. I've had terrible other covers before. Nice. That, <laughs> I want to uh, hear about those. <laughs> What's yeah, like the worst I mean, cover you've ever been pitched? The worst cover I had was this uh, book by Zondervan, where there's a bunch. It was it was a book about young people and about youth ministry. And there's a bunch of kids who looked all happy, lucky, hanging out of a bus window that I just. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I want to punch myself in the face that this is a cover of a book that I've written. You know, so, <laughs> right. so that's 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 the worst for sure. Yeah, the first thing you think is like, oh, it's a youth trip, right? It's a, right. It's a, it's a youth group road trip. Right. Oh, yeah, man. it like falls into every stereotype you hate about working with young people in the, in the oh, church. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, I I do a little bit of work as a as a graphic designer, and I'm currently working on posters for um for a, a series of plays. And uh, every once in a while, I just get pitched just these god awful ideas. Just they're, they're like, "What if it was just all different fireworks that are all slightly different colors?" And and I go, "Well, then you can't tell which poster is what. You need the you know, and like especially yeah. if they're slightly different. Yeah, they're like I mean, <laughs> like it, various shades uh, of blue. <laughs> <laughs> this one's indigo. This one's midnight blue. This one's baby blue because we're being a little edgy with this one's it. Papa Smurt. <laughs> <laughs> this one's champion blue, and then this one's royal blue. What do you think? I was thinking maybe we'd go with more of a Sonic. <laughs> oh, good idea. Let's do that one. There's something satisfying when like your creative ideas mm-hmm. work well with uh, what's pitched to you graphically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we had, uh, Simon and I were talking before the show mm-hmm. about um, we're going to fairly soon change our cover art for yeah. the podcast and uh, we won't say what we're changing it to. But, but we we both had the same idea yeah, at the same time. Like you typed something out to me and I immediately was like, that's literally what I was thinking. <laughs> like the consultant yeah. that I hired is also like on board with that yeah. idea. Like it was what he suggested the mm-hmm. other night. It's like, oh yeah, we're, we're in a yeah. good spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I designed one of the worst book covers of all Ooh, time. Ooh, <gasps> I want to hear it. Is it published? Uh, I don't know. I, I worked at a design agency uh, <laughs> for a long time and uh, you know, sometimes uh, people just like to have a lot of input and they just want to, <laughs> they want to use you as a conduit for their ideas because they don't know how to use Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And I had pitched a, a few, you know, what I thought were all right ideas, but no. Um, it, what, what's the book called and what's the author? I, I don't remember and oh. I, I care not to say. <laughs> <laughs> but she was very into this idea of triangles and, and triangles upside down. And then she wanted an outline on the triangles, even if you couldn't read the title anymore. And then, <laughs> and they were like brown and black. And it, it was just, it got worse with every step. Uh, and then she passed off to her, her nephew, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, of who, course. Who did some Photoshop on mm-hmm. it and wanted to look more like that. Um I actually had somebody uh, submit an idea for a logo that they wanted made in Excel. What? I'm sorry? (laughs) It was for a brownie company. (laughs) In Excel? In Excel. Like they put a picture in Excel or did they draw it in Excel? No, they made this like matrix thing with a bunch of numbers and letters (laughs) and then put it in like a a graph and then sent it. like, Like they made a graph with Excel and the graph made the logo? They wanted it to look like that. They wanted it to look like the Excel sheet. Oh, okay, I see. Maybe slap they an Instagram a, filter on it. They wanted a brownie <laughs> company to look like an Excel sheet. I don't know. 
These I feel are, like that's immediately like you you this is the wrong company for you. Yeah, you can't we're not I don't know. work with you. Maybe they're like perfectly like like mathematically crafted brownies. There's other ways to do that than on Excel. <laughs> <laughs> call call yourself one, two, three brownies. And then, you know, I don't know much about math, but I feel like that's that's yeah. where it starts. No, right? people have terrible ideas. Oh yeah. So much. Like anytime yeah. somebody asks you to sign an NDA, you know the idea <laughs> that's gonna follow that is awful. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever signed an NDA for a I, I didn't. So I'm gonna oh. tell you this story that I think oh, someone yeah. else I might have had to sign stories. one. But that if somebody wanted to create an app that was a combination of uh Tinder and Uber. What? Which I think should be called Tuber and have it at the table. <laughs> But I also think it's a a, a, a sex crime. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> How does? What's the concept? Or is it, or is it just the kind of thing where they were like Tinder's really popular, Uber's really popular, something that's both? Hitch yeah. a ride and or is go it to like, jail? Is, <laughs> or is it just like a is it just like a car sex app? I, I didn't I wasn't in that meeting so I couldn't tell you but I oh, I don't man. think there was much thought put into no. it. No. Guys, we're happy to announce Disney Pixar's Cars 4. <laughs> now with more car sex. <laughs> and me, Owen Wilson, still the voice of Lightning McQueen. Whoosh. <laughs> oh man. Well, that brings us to our uh to our closing great, time. Great way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, thanks so much for doing this. It was super fun. Yeah, it was fun, guys. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I hope that uh being on a podcast about uh, animal dicks and <laughs> Owen Wilson impressions won't tarnish your reputation. Yeah, yeah. I well, it'll be the highlight of my week for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe maybe don't tweet this one. Maybe just kind of yeah. be happy that it happened and then just yeah. you know. Simon, if he doesn't tweet this one, no one will listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need his tweets. That's true. Maybe tweet it and say that none of this like just absolve yourself from it. None of this is your fault. Condemn yeah. us and then yeah. share yeah. the link. Yeah. No nobody listen to this podcast. <laughs> Send it out. <laughs> Oh man! Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it, and uh, all the best. Yeah, you I too. will finish the book. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I right. want to finish the book. It's gonna happen. Um, so, right. can people people can find this on Amazon? I guess. Yeah, they can find Great. it on Amazon. Um, at least in the states, it's in Walmart and stuff like that. Nice. But uh, what's Walmart? I'm not sure. <laughs> You've uh, yeah, you probably well. There, I was just uh, there was a Walmart in Sault Ste. Marie. So oh, yeah. there, there's a Walmart like a 40 minute walk from my house. There's, oh, there's I believe back. you're confused because it's. Low Walmart. Oh, oh, Low Walmart. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that one. Uh, great. So we'll we'll drop a link to that in the description of this episode yeah. if anyone wants to go and buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Or and at a cool. local bookstore near you. We don't have yes. a link for local bookstores, though. No, we just figure that support, out. Support local bookstores. Go to a bookstore near you and see if they have The Grace of Dogs by Andrew Root. Do you ever go by Andrew? No, I don't. Because <laughs> I feel like... I feel like one of those syllables is redundant. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. That's just a wonderful way to go. It's a little food for thought. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember to rate and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Yes. Do both. Yeah. If you just get both and do both. Yeah. Uh, subscribe on your podcast app of choice. There's so many out there. You can definitely find one that you like. Share this mm-hmm. episode with one friend. Just pick one and share it with them. Ideally, a dog person or a cat person if you want to convert them. Or a dolphin person. Or a dolphin person. (laughs) 
maybe maybe not a dolphin person. We're pretty. We've been pretty disparaging to dolphins. <laughs> yeah, but not for dolphin this people. Episode. <laughs> Share true. this episode with a friend who you think would give a dolphin a hand. <laughs> uh, and you can follow us all at uh, on Twitter collectively at Down with Talking. I'm at Know the Other Simon. I'm at Tom Zalatni. At Boxless Thoughts. And uh, Andrew, are you on Twitter? I am. I'm uh, Root Andrew. Perfect. So go give him a follow as well and show yeah. him some up for discussion love. And special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use the title track of their EP Benson as our theme music. And you can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And <laughs> next week we will interview a dolphin. This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Not Faking Your Friends' Deaths. We'd like to apologize for last week's misleading episode title. We thought it would be a good goof to pretend that Johan died. Lots of you wrote in with your condolences, and way too many people messaged us asking if we were okay. Everyone's fine, and Johan is alive and well. In retrospect, don't fake your friend's deaths. It usually won't end well.